It's never boring. Our podcast is never... Hello, and welcome back to the Health in the 34th podcast. My name is Marissa Alcantar, and I'm the Story Bank and Policy Specialist for the Alliance for Healthy Kansas. And we are so glad to be back with you for another episode. Hi, Marissa. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I am Lacey Kennett. I'm the Director of Communications for the Alliance for Healthy Kansas. And today, we have a special guest. Hi. 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 Kate, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> Hello, I am Kate Gramlick. I am the Cover Kansas Project Specialist for the Community Care Network of Kansas. We are next door neighbors uh, to you all, and uh, we work with all the health centers in the state, uh, providing support and resources and training and things like that. Tell us, what does a Cover Kansas Project Specialist oh, do? Oh man, okay. <laughs> so our my team is uh, is the best team, and uh, we work with marketplace navigators. So um, we've got navigators that are at our various health centers. And then we've got one who um, answers calls and helps people over the phone or through video call. And uh, basically, we help with any sort of marketplace, you know, ACA, Obamacare um, applications or questions. And uh, we're also helping with the Medicaid Unwind and and working with CanCare on um, communications around that. But what do I do? That's, that's what my do team. You, that's yeah, my what team. do you do? Uh, I just, you know, so I manage the program. Basically, it's a three-year grant-funded program. And so I am the main contact for, for all the grant deliverables. And I provide training and presentations to our navigators and uh, connect them with resources. And then I uh, oversee a staff of three and they do outreach and assist consumers over the phone. And we basically kind of do whatever we can across the state to connect people to to resources. So we've got navigators in um, northern Kansas. We've got one that's in Hayes, far west. We have ones in Cowley County. Um, So we've got ones in various areas and um you know several in pika and wichita and in the kck area so we kind of do rural and urban and suburban as much as we can wow and then if there's not a navigator that's like in their community that they can they want to want to work with or are able to you know make it to a health center or something like that they can call jen our virtual navigator and she'll work with anybody over the phone Oh, very cool. So are there navigators at every health center? Is that what you said? No, there's, um, we've got, let's see, I think there's about 30 something member centers at community care and we've got navigators at 11 of the Mm -hmm. health centers, but I'm slowly trying to talk, you know, everybody into it. So, but there are, um, other navigators through other organizations at some of the health centers too. So we, we do refer even if they're not like not in our little group. Let's level set for everybody who's listening. Can you tell us what a navigator is? Yes, absolutely. Um, A navigator works with the ACA, Affordable Care Act, Marketplace, Obamacare. They're trained and certified to be unbiased and to assist with either applications for the marketplace or um, they have to like troubleshoot issues with marketplace applications or follow up and connect them with 
CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services representatives. They also answer any kind of health insurance questions. So you could just call us and ask, you know, what is a deductible? What the heck is this? In, like insurance card, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And they would be able to answer them. The nice thing I, I think is that, you know, there are insurance agents and brokers that people are welcome to go to. These services are free for everybody. Uh, no matter what your your income is, you are able to work with a navigator and at least apply or ask questions. So we're not making any money off of it and we're trained to be unbiased. So you're not going to get any sort of sales pitch. We are very, very strict about you know making sure that people are given access to un- completely unbiased, neutral, factual information. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And it's free. And it's free. Mm-hmm. And all over the state. Mm-hmm. You must know a lot about eligibility and, uh, you know, if somebody qualifies for Medicaid or if they're in the coverage gap or. Yes. So that is the most um, heartbreaking and uh, common issue or, or kind of complaint that our navigators give us during mm-hmm. trainings. We, uh, you know, try to ask what kind of issues they're running into and if there's anything we can provide support on. But unfortunately, the biggest and again, most emotionally impactful issue that our navigators constantly bring up is people who fall into the gap. Mm -hmm. So since we have not expanded Medicaid, it's just so hard because you're working with this person who clearly wants health insurance. They want to do the right thing for themselves, their body, their family, and we just do not have a an insurance resource for them in the state. And they have to sit across from the person and say, I'm yes. sorry, but you make too much for Medicaid, but not too enough. little yes. to get financial help. Yes, yeah. And, you know, it especially hits folks who do not have children or do not have mm. um, a proven disability. You know, that we, we get calls and inquiries from a lot of folks who are disabled in various, you know, physical or mental ways. And they don't have like a dis- disability mm-hmm. case, you yeah. know, or they're still working on the that. The official determination. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, this happens time and time again, especially with mental health disabilities. Mm-hmm. They're, like you said, face to face with that person saying, I'm I'm so sorry. I've got health center resources. But as far as insurance goes, that's just not something that's available to you right now. Ouch. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we're here. Absolutely. So you used a really big, well, a term that we, Marissa and I are familiar with because of the work that we do. You talked about the Medicaid unwinding. Yes. Isn't that so fun to explain? Uh Tell us about that. All right. So this is (laughs) nationwide. It's not just impacting Kansas throughout the pandemic. So from about, I think it was March 2020 or maybe um, February, the there was a public health emergency. And one of the features of that declaration was that no one could get disenrolled from Medicaid unless we specifically requested it or they passed away uh, or they moved out of the state, in which case they would probably transfer to a Medicaid of a different state. And since we've had such a huge increase of folks who have signed up for Medicaid and become eligible throughout the pandemic, We've got folks who, you know, have have not been kicked off for year after year, Mm -hmm. and there have not been the renewal process where you have to kind of reprove your eligibility and restate the facts of your life. They haven't had to do that for, for three years. 
starting this spring, all of the Medicaid offices across the whole country have had to restart these, um, the renewal process. It's called the Medicaid Unwind because it's kind of unwinding all of the pause or all of the the, pro- the protections the yes yeah. yes yeah unwinding all of the protections that have been in place for the last three years that have been very very helpful to a lot of families now we're going back to the system that was pre-pandemic where every single household who's on medicaid and chip they need to re-enroll re prove their eligibility, send in, um, you know, either financial information or disability paperwork or all sorts of stuff like like that. Every single household that's on Medicaid is going to have to do this sometime in the next 12 months. Like I said, with all the folks who joined Medicaid during the pandemic, they've never done this before. They've gotten Mm. letters saying you're enrolled again. So they are not used to this process at all and may not even know, probably don't know it's coming because most of the people who know are kind of in this industry or connected mm-hmm. to certain networks. And then the folks who did have Medicaid previously before the pandemic, they have not done the process for three years. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember anything pre-pandemic. My brain no, I does don't either. not work. Does, mm. And also because of life in the pandemic and everything, many people have moved once or twice or oh, 10 yeah. times throughout those past three years. And they may not have updated their address with CanCare because why? Not it's one of not, the first things I'm thinking yeah, of, you know? You, yeah. yeah. So, and especially if you're in crisis or you mm-hmm. are have precarious housing, you know, they, you just have other things on your mind yeah. that are not updating CanCare of your every move. The unfortunate part about that is that these renewal paperworks um, that are coming out, the renewal forms and letters are only being sent via postal mail. Oh, so you're not getting, you know, a text or an email or a phone call. So they're going off of whatever address is in their system Mm -hmm. and whatever the last time someone updated it, you know, which might have been four houses ago. So one of the tricky and risky factors of this whole Medicaid on one process is that so many people do not have their address updated they will miss the renewal paperwork because it'll come to you know their last address, mm-hmm. and then they will lose coverage regardless of eligibility if they don't respond to this notice that they have not received. So wow, you're you're out if you don't respond at yes. all. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, each state is kind of running this process differently. There's mm-hmm. guidelines that are suggested, but one thing um, that Kansas is doing that is helpful is we're taking the full 12 months that are allowed mm-hmm. um, to run through this, these, the roster of folks. So it's not everybody renewing all in May. Some states are only taking six months Oof, and going goodness. through their hundreds and hundreds of thousands of families. And also Kansas has uh, utilized you know, the, the National Change of Address database and some other federal databases like National like Employment database. So they're trying their hardest to verify addresses through as many sources as they can and then send based on the latest information. So if you did move and your address changed through the post office, it's likely that they will be able to find the correct address where you actually are. So while those are really nice avenues that Kansas is taking, it's still going to, you know, exclude large amounts of of like our most vulnerable people yeah
I wondered if you had any like kind of information or data onto what is expected, like how many people are expected to lose coverage. That's so hard. So I am constantly trying to find accurate data. There are a couple of different ways uh, that folks will be losing coverage. And it's easy, a little bit easier to predict who will not be eligible anymore and okay. therefore will lose coverage because they have since been employed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they lost their job during the pandemic. And hopefully those folks will be able to transition to an employer-sponsored coverage through their jobs. So we'll be able to kind of get those, those stats a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. There's also folks who, you know, may have had children who are under 18, mm-hmm. but now that the children have aged out and mm-hmm. so they're no longer parents of young children and, and will no longer be eligible. Right. So there's those kinds of things, which again, are a little bit easier to track. Unfortunately, and this is kind of why we're trying to raise awareness, there's going to be X number of thousands of of households who just don't get their renewal paperwork on time, don't get it at all because of address. Mm-hmm. You know, they accidentally throw it out because, again, they haven't had to do this for three years. So mm-hmm. they may just think it's junk or they might not get it finished in time. And then they will lose coverage the the beginning of that next month after their due date. Wow. That's it's so gone. fast. And they might not find out till they get to the doctor or something. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's going to be... Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Doctors, pharmacists, you know, kind of when they seek medical care, they're going to be told, oh, actually, you have to pay full price for this. Mm -hmm. They do have like a grace period after that of about 90 days where they can get their renewal paperwork in Mm. and um, and then they will have backdated coverage, which is nice if you can't afford the stuff up front you know, yeah. um, and wait to get reimbursed for potentially three months or, or longer. So it's it's putting people in a really difficult place and really hitting hard. Again, the folks folks who are on Medicaid and their children are on CHIP are already marginalized, very vulnerable, you know, kind of at a risk in the first place. And then you're adding this on top of it. So it really is just through the mail. They're not doing any electronic? Is that just in Kansas? Do you know? We I honestly, I think that it's fairly typical that it's just through the mail. Okay. I'm not sure if that's a CMS requirement. There is a really great tracker for all states if you're like a data nerd or and really want to oh, look into this, like yeah. we do. The Georgetown University, they have a 50-state tracker where they're, you can kind of see, oh, this is what Alaska's doing. This is what so-and-so is doing. And that's a good way to find out what is a CMS mandate, you know, because mm-hmm. there are lots of those, and mm-hmm. what is a state's choice. Okay. And, you know, not throwing can care under the bus, they have presented options and legislators who are not interested in Medicaid expansion or Medicaid mm-hmm. populations, mm-hmm. Um, they have turned down a lot of suggestions. Oh, so, really? So, you know, there, there may be things that can care has fought for and they just weren't agreed upon and approved. By policymakers. Yes. Got it. So if you have time and you're not being, you know, disenrolled, moving several times, <laughs> blah, 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 if you can contact your legislators and and bug them about this too, uh, you know. You know, the people that listen to this podcast are really good advocates, so right. you might get some. There. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you might. I'm somebody who's a Medicaid beneficiary and I haven't like I'm watching I'm gonna watch out for this but I haven't gotten it yet 
what can I do? All right. So a lot of people are freaking out because yeah. they're like, I did not. The first letters went out in March, mid-March. Oh, cool. They would have been due to the CanCare office by April 15th. And then if they were not in by that point, they would be disenrolled May 1st. Okay. So lots of folks just lost coverage and are oh. getting horrible news right now. Yeah. You know, and, and another kind of factor, and this will answer your question, is that instead of prioritizing in any way that kind of is, is easier to communicate, like alphabetically or something like that, oh, uh-huh. they are doing enrollment eligibility based on their initial enrollment date, like when oh. their renewal would have been due. So if you joined Canker 10 years ago and you've been doing renewals in August every single year before the pandemic, it's likely going to be August or okay. September. But if you join during the pandemic, you haven't done a renewal. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I wouldn't remember if I joined in July yeah. or, you know, if, okay, so there were about 30,000 or so letters to households who went out in March. And those would be the people who are losing 30,000 yes. in a month. They did about, um, they can't do more than like 11% of the entire roster uh-huh. in a month. Yeah. So so 30,000 went out and potentially a, a huge portion of them have, have just lost coverage, at least temporarily. Yeah. But that means that, you know, there are 88% of mm-hmm. folks on CanCare have not received that letter, did not mm-hmm. receive it in March. So that's the majority of folks. So what someone could do if they are worried, they, you know, are human and don't remember their renew date, <laughs> they could call the clearinghouse or call their MCO, like their insurance Oh, like provider. the company? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, find out their enrollment or renewal date, mm-hmm. uh, the month of it. So, oh, okay. you know, you could call in and they would say, oh, actually, you know, your renewal date is not until October. Expect a letter in August or September and then act accordingly. As time goes on, I'm, I'm hopeful that information will be kind of more widespread across all advocacy areas. And so I'm hopeful that the folks who are renewing back later in the year, like December, let's say, mm-hmm. are more aware Maybe have changed their address, mm-hmm. um, are looking out for the mail, you know, making sure no one is just tossing random mail and are kind of more prepared for what's to come. But these first three or four months mm-hmm. are just really, really tricky. Yeah. And unfortunately, the way Kansas has set it up is we go through the first 40 percent, I think, or 45 percent of households in the first four months. Wow. The majority of the households are kind of going to be, it's going to be front loaded in this next 12 months. So, you know, 120,000 households are going to be going through this soon, soon, soon or currently. That's a lot of mail. Yeah. I know. I know. And it's like, just put all those in envelopes. I know. (laughs) They need those little rubber things on your fingers so you don't get paper cuts. Yeah. And people can make sure their their address is up to date, right? Yes. Okay. okay. So the first step is um, if you have moved anytime in the last three years and did not, you know, immediately update CanCare about that, I would get on the CanCare website and there is a, a new feature that is, is pretty cool and useful for most people. In the right-hand corner of the, the CanCare website, it's a chat bot. It is like a little orangey red square with a little talk bubble on it. You would click that and then um, select English or Spanish, and it will walk you through how to verify that you are you 
and it will let you update your address and phone number that way. And that will go into CanCare system. No phone calls, no faxing, no letters. You will at least receive your renewal letter at the address that you specify. So I would do that personally to avoid a phone call, you know, or Mm -hmm. or a wait time on the phone, Mm -hmm. you know, and you could do it at 10 p.m. when you get off work or something. Mm -hmm. Update your address and, and phone number and contact information. If the system, if that chat system doesn't work for you, which there are some populations where it's it's not going to work, then call the CanCare office or call your MCO, your insurance company, mm-hmm. and they will update the address for you. You can update the address okay. and check for your renewal month at the same time. I do want to, to point out one, one issue that we've been hearing a lot. I love this chatbot and I've been promoting it heavily because, you know, social workers could sit with the person uh-huh. and go through it with them you know so if if someone's does not have computer access or great computer skills they could sit with a social service organization and that person could update it for them Mm -hmm. without again having to call the can care line one of the issues i've just heard though is the system isn't working very well for undocumented parents of children on chip okay because you need the primary applicants social security number Mm. which is not a thing that undocumented parents or guardians have they typically also don't have other verification means that would work on on the can care key era chat bot thing so unfortunately we've we've heard from a lot of folks who are working with undocumented parents that they do have to then call the can care clearinghouse line that is one thing that i would say if you are you know a social service worker listening to this or a school counselor or a nurse or something and you work with and have good relationships with parents who are undocumented um, and their children are are on chip reach out to them let them know this is happening and then call the clearinghouse with them you know, they can give permission over the phone for you to act on their behalf. And it's just nice to have a trusted person on the phone with you when you're calling. So let's shift gears and talk about why this is such a big deal in Kansas. As you know, and as our listeners likely know by now, Kansas is one of only 10 holdout states that haven't expanded our Medicaid program yet. Um, How does that impact the redetermination process? Well, it means that folks are, if, if they are disenrolled from Medicaid, they have very few options, especially kind of our, again, our most vulnerable populations. So, you know, like we talked about earlier, if someone uh, is no longer eligible because they make too much for Medicaid, but they don't make enough for marketplace in other states that have expanded, they would have, mm-hmm. you know, that option, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, a safety net and be able to receive the medical coverage and the prescriptions and everything that they need. Unfortunately, there's going to be a growing population who are Kansans who will not have an insurance option because they will not qualify for marketplace. So a lot of folks who have joined, who have started CanCare over the last three years, this is the first time they've been able to go to the doctor, you know, or the first time that they've, uh, and, and this is primarily adults because the chip income threshold is is a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some adults, you know, this is the first time they went to the dentist as an adult or the first time, you know, they 
uh, were able to get on meds that changed mm -hmm. their life. And because we haven't expanded, they're going to lose that if they don't make enough to qualify for a marketplace. And that's terrifying mm -hmm. for them. If, if they even know, you know, if mm -hmm. they even are aware to have that pre-worry, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, or else they're just going to go to the pharmacy, get their antidepressants and realize that that's not an option for them anymore. Yeah. So, you know, all states are going to have issues with procedural disenrollments where folks will not receive their letters or, or get them back on time. That's kind of just a common nationwide issue. But, you know, the vast majority of states and their residents are going to be able to have medical coverage and medical insurance, which is just something that Kansans are not going to be able to have. So if you live in the Kansas City area, your life on the Missouri side would look very different than your life on the Kansas side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are, you know, leaving the state because they can't mm -hmm. get the coverage they need. Every neighboring state, you preach this all the time, every neighboring state has that option. We have Absolutely. heard from people doing that. Yeah. yeah they've just you know, moved over the state line, especially those on our bargaining communities. It's yeah. absolutely absurd, but then, you know, you know, and then pay taxes to that state and you know, Kansas is going to lose out. So Kansans are, are losing and then in Kansas is also going to lose out on financial resources. I just wanted to, I have a little bullet point in our, our notes here for this episode that is mostly just information. People think the threshold for qualifying for Medicaid is much higher than it is. Yes. I like to talk about my poor husband who gets to be the experiment on a lot of things that's, you know, rolling around in my head. Hey, what's the, what do you think the upper threshold is for a family like ours, a family of three? Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know, like 30,000. And I just cackled. Yes. Cause it's like, it's so hard to raise a family on, on 30,000, a family of three on 30,000, you know, yeah. that's, that's very difficult. And that is what three times. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, the actual yeah. threshold. It's three times the actual. That's three times more. Uh, so you probably qualify for uh, subsidies on the health insurance marketplace. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, in 2023, the limit for a family of three is just over nine thousand dollars per year for to qualify for Medicaid. So I just put that in there because I like to shock yes people with that stat. How many people have we talked to, like doing presentations and like saying, oh, yeah, the limit for a family of three is just over $9,000 and their faces are just, they just drop. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. And it's the same it with SNAP too, right? Mm -hmm. And and other, yeah, there's so mm -hmm. many misconceptions that it is folks who have a lot more resources mm -hmm. who are using these programs. And it's really, no, it's just, it's the most, most vulnerable families and people. Mm -hmm. And you hear people talk about, well, the, the chip threshold is higher. So kids get it. Yeah, but what's a kid going to do if mom and dad aren't well? Oh, yes. Mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. Or, yes. You know, whoever is their caretaker is not well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at us preaching to the choir. Right. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, yep, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And you're getting fired up and you're going to write some people. What's that thing that you find? Like we find it on our social media regularly that rightfully so you're taught that if you hear a stat or you see something that shocks you mm -hmm. to be very skeptical go look it up to question it and so people yeah we post stuff and they're like there's no way like there and yeah and that's a very privileged position to be in and, yeah <laughs> you know, that's where i was before this work so yeah Same. yeah the it's such a complicated uh, system but yeah we can point you to where it, we have the facts we mm -hmm. have it 
Um, and I just put in here, in case our listeners are wondering, the threshold for subsidies on the health insurance marketplace is 23000 to about 92000 per year for a family of three. So that is a much wider yes. net, but you've got that 9000 to 23000 where the gap Which is. Just so many people. Yeah. So many people. It's scraping by because, you know, childcare is really expensive. Really you're expensive. staying home, you're raising your kids, you know, you're working maybe like a part-time job just to be able to do something. And it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. So, so do you work less and right, become exactly. more into poverty, yes. and then get yelled at for not having a job, or do you have another kid so that your threshold is mm. is different? Uh, Marissa, yeah, I'm gonna move to you for a second because. Okay. Um, as this is going on, as apparently 30,000 people a month are getting these letters and many of them will not qualify, if you are listening and you know somebody or you are this person, if you find yourself in this coverage gap, we can amplify your story. Absolutely. And really help get the word out about what a problem this is uh, and how even more so now than maybe ever can care expansion is necessary so absolutely tell us about that yeah so i'm sure our listeners have heard me say this before but we have a story bank project through the alliance that focuses specifically on individuals that are falling in the coverage gap and with the medicaid redeterminations happening the unwinding going on we're seeing more individuals that are likely falling off of those uh, off of can care and are falling into that coverage gap and like you said this is a this is a chance to amplify your voice to get out there and advocate because we do not have the systems in place in Kansas to actually support individuals that are falling in the coverage gap now, we need to make sure that this is a very big, we need to make sure that people understand this is a huge issue and putting faces to this issue is going to get people to pay attention to it and is going to make sure that our policymakers are making change happen. And so what we're doing right now is, you know, looking at looking at the unwinding, looking at the redeterminations and saying, okay, these individuals are falling off and it's a problem. And also we're looking at individuals more widely that have been in the coverage gap still throughout this process and saying this is becoming an even bigger issue now that the pandemic is quote unquote ending Mm. and we need to make sure that our legislators that can make these changes for Kansans are aware of it and are making sure that this is something that their constituents need what their constituents want and so you know reaching out to me and getting your story out there is going to be the best way to make sure that these changes happen and make sure that Medicaid expansion does happen so so that way we have a safety a safety program in place for individuals that are losing their insurance. And I think folks might know more people who are being hit by this, quote unquote, after the pandemic than, than they might think. You know, I've got several friends or colleagues who their adult child has aged off of their insurance, mm-hmm. their, you know, their family insurance, and they aren't going to be making little enough for Medicaid because they had lost their job and are and have a new job. And so there's there's a lot of parents of adult children who are terrified because they just see that they they can't put them back on their policy. They see that their kids are going to be losing what's maybe been their their best medical selves or best healthy selves losing all that progress. So I I think that if people were maybe a little bit more prone to talk about kind of these personal and vulnerable issues, you may know people who are going to be hit more more people than you might think. It's almost like we've looked into a window and saw what it could be like with expansion 
And then we were just like, nah. And by we, I mean the people who are capable of making those changes happen, making that happen. I was reading a lot of stuff about how evictions could never be paused. You know, student mm-hmm. loan payments could never be paused. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know, the economy would collapse. Every, you know, everything would catch on fire. And so there's a lot of things that uh, have been seemingly impossible that have been figured out over the past few years and have, have really helped mm-hmm. Americans. And now we're going back to oh, it's impossible, mm-hmm. even though we just did it. Well, this episode is really well-timed because the federal public health emergency expires on may 11th so the plan is for this to come out shortly after you'll just find us crying when this comes out we have each other we'll keep going we're Mm -hmm. recording this on may 4th we have baby yoda sitting next to us it's for a tiktok go go find our tiktok so okay we are going to ask you a question that we ask all of our podcast guests why are you one of the eight and ten kansans that supports king care expansion i've got three shirts okay yeah so i am because i care about actual people (laughs) and i want everyone to have the same health opportunities that i have been afforded i want to have healthy neighbors you know i want to have the kids in my kids school have health coverage and, and have their parents be healthy i just i know that i am very fortunate to not be in the coverage gap you know and but also that it could happen to me it could happen to many most of us I would say and so I just I want I want health for Kansans and I want them to be able to be them their best selves and you know without Medicaid expansion that's a huge group of valuable citizens who live near us around us you know go to our schools who are just being forgotten and left out of of so much and are not given opportunities that would be life-changing to them. So in summary, because you have a big heart. Yeah. Mm. And you care about people. Well, Kate, thank you for being here today and sharing all of your brain knowledge about this very complicated topic. Yeah. That, um, yeah, if you're confused about this, we all are. So (laughs) reach out and we can comfort each other and, and do what we can to... To figure this out together. So where can people, if they want to talk to one of the navigators, one of the people you talked about, where can they find them? If you are looking for a navigator that is near you, we've got a website, www.getcoveredkansas, all spelled out, dot org. Getcoveredkansas.org. And there is a search for a navigator feature. So you can find one that is um, within or around your zip code. If there's not... A navigator who is nearby we again have one who is happy to help you over the phone no matter where you are in kansas so if you have mobility issues and can't get to the health center or prefer not to go in person we have someone who can help you over the phone or over a secure video chat which is nice and and she can just kind of walk you through any questions you have you know wherever you are in the insurance process if you are um scared about losing coverage or if you have lost coverage or if you have coverage for the first time and you want to know what does any of this mean what can i actually do with this the navigators are are there to help perfect and if you are somebody who wants to tell your story marissa where can they find you you can find me at the alliance for healthy kansas always at marissa at expandkincare.com very good well we will wrap up this episode then as we always say and if you keep listening to the end of the episode you hear us say it again in the outro that we have but you can find us on social media 
We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Our handle is at expandcancare. You can always find us at expandcancare.com. And uh, until next time, we will see you then. Stay safe. Stay well. Health in the 34th is a podcast from the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe and share our podcast with others. Episodes written and produced by Marissa Alcatar and Lacey Kennett. Special thanks to our editor, Callie Holthouse. Episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join the movement and get involved. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information on the Alliance for Healthy Kansas, visit us at expandcancare.com.